Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked On Box. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, alongside uh, a man that we, we haven't had on the pod all week. It's been a very strange week. We know Frank's been back in Wisconsin. He might be listening to this as he drives along the road back to Texas on, uh, what day would that be? Saturday morning. Uh, he's heading back. But Justin Garcia is here, fresh from Fiserv Forum. I just mentioned this, but uh, 2-0 at home this year. you yet to see a loss live in front of you at the arena. That's got to feel good. The Bucks again. Bully the Bulls, 126-96. to 96. That's 11 straight wins against Chicago. And I think they've all been by double digits. So the average winning margin uh, has to be up around 15, 16 points now. Uh, the Bucks own the Bulls, and that's pretty fun. Yeah, and uh, as we speak, I'm actually still here in Pfizer form. Wow. And when you, when you mentioned that to me uh, before we started, that's what threw me off is, what do you mean I have – oh, well – the. We've done every game except for the season opener from inside the arena. So, like, oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, they, they, there were only uh, two games that they're actually playing here and not us watching on a monitor. So, it's been uh, a unique season off the court and uh, unique on the court as well. So, I tweeted this out during the game. And I think it's been a little bit difficult to understand or really take any uh, firm uh, takeaways or or anything from this team from what we've seen because it doesn't really feel like in any of these games really they've had to get out of second or third gear now I know that sounds weird to say when they are three and three on the season but obviously they got blown out once they didn't play too well against the Knicks and even that Celtics game just I'm not sure whether it's the fact that there's no fans and maybe it's just the viewing experience that takes a little bit away from it in these big arenas now I'm not 100% sure but it does feel like the Bucks have been in cruise control and there's so much weird stuff going on. And even coming into this game, I know the Bulls in general look pretty awful. They've had a couple of wins against the Wizards who have been equally as bad. But I think just in general, for them to have four players missing, including Larry Markkinen, who we know uh, hasn't exactly had the best start to the season, but those four players that missed tonight were out under the health protocols. Maybe it's just a reminder that this is going to happen through the season and you came into this game and expected the Bucs would, would be able to handle their business. But as I said... Uh, 126 to 96, uh, another really strong offensive performance. Giannis, interesting. 29 points, 12 rebounds, eight assists, couple steals, couple blocks. Really good line. Uh, 10 for 18 from the free throw line. So he certainly found his way there. Another one of those nights where some of those close range shots are just not falling for him. And we've just seen this from him throughout the season so far. And of course, you would love to for him to get that up to 15 out of 18, 16 out of 18, and then he turns a 29-point night into a 34, 35, 36-point night, which, uh, which is what Frank always talks about when it comes to his scoring average. But what did you take away from this game? Because again, outside of the Bulls running up a quick five-zip lead in the first couple of minutes, uh, the Bucks were just on fire, and this was never close. Yeah, I mean, I coming into this game, it was games like this, and then I think you have three more on this homestand against the Pistons 
and the Cavs that you point to and you say they've been up and down, but these are games they should win convincingly. So if they do that, that will start to quell most of my fears. And, you know, Bud said as, as much after the game too, and Giannis talked about it before the game about, you know, we're still striving for consistency and I forget who brought up the question, but Bud was the one that quickly brought up, look, we're not there yet that, you know, we still haven't won back-to-back games. And I know it's only six games into the season, but you think about some of the starts, you know, the two and two start that I think people raised an eyebrow at last year, but seven and zero the year prior. And then after that two and two start, they started to peel off some wins. So they still need to do that. But as long as for me, I wanted to see, okay, these are relatively easier games on the schedule. They should win at home. They should win these games convincingly. They've done one. They have, uh, what, three more on this homestand. But if we take a step back and look at it, I mean, overall, you have to be somewhat encouraged that the tests that they've had on their schedule, I think they've passed, where they lost the season opener on the road by a point on a prayer shot by Jason Tatum to a good, we think, Celtics team. They blew out the heat in what may have been an outlier game. And then you can point to, you know, they let, they let the uh, double-digit lead slip away and they lost – the second game, but, you know, it's also a back-to-back. And I get that both teams were playing in a back-to-back, but the Heat had three days off prior to the back-to-back. The Bucks did not, and they were traveling. So I, I feel like as long as they can do this and they put forth those dominant wins and then just continue to do that and, you know, I guess answer the bell against the better teams like so far I think we've seen, they're going to slowly get better. I mean, it's we all pointed it out before the season, but I don't think people fully realize 50% of the roster is new. And last year, I think, took away a lot of what your normal expectations are because the roster really didn't change. I mean, yes, Malcolm Brogdon was gone and Wesley Matthews and guys like Kyle Korver were there, but that was your big change. The, mo- the majority of the team was the same. It was your second year in the system with Coach Bud that there wasn't a whole lot that you had to learn and, and a lot of adjustments to be made. And, you know, that's why I think we saw that 18-game win streak. They beat up on bad teams. They won games they should have. There wasn't a whole lot of gelling that needed to go on early in the season, not like what we saw the year prior, where despite that 7-0 and start, they hit some rough spots, and it wasn't until about 30 games in. Uh, in New York, of all places, where they, they took off after that game, that I think we're in store for the same thing here, where it's going to be – somewhat up and down they'll have these blowout wins they'll have some close games against good teams maybe they don't win them but it's not going to be until about 30 games into the season that you feel like this team starts to hit its stride yeah well i think the big game that you look at uh, from the start to the season is the loss to the knicks because if we want to compare this team you know from a regular season win loss uh, basis to last year or even the year before uh, they just didn't lose games like that those were the types of ones that they really put away you always went to the arena or sat down on the, on the couch wherever you're watching the game and said well this is going to be a win and we'll just mark this one down the bucks don't slip up that's why they've been such a good team in the regular season because they have been so consistent and you know you look at the record three and three if they handle that one, which they have in the past, they're four and two. I think the start has been fine. Again, particularly when you did look at the Boston and then Miami back-to-back in the first week, while this team was going to be working through some of those growing pains. And again, I think that the really encouraging thing for this team is, is that the offense just looks so damn good. And I would say that one thing that stood out to me tonight, and this was really following up from what we saw in Miami, a lot of misses close to the basket, a lot of misses in the paint. Milwaukee tonight outscored in the paint, actually 42 to 26, which is super rare. You don't really see that 
from this team. They normally dominate that area of the game. 13 for 27, Milwaukee were. So again, uh, similar to last time out uh, against Miami, actually, they were a below 50% for the second consecutive game, which is obviously not good. That's not what you want to see uh, from a team. Some of that is the way that Chicago was defending Giannis and you know, sometimes we see this and it typically happens with bad teams where they uh, seemingly just make the open decision that, well, we can't really stop Giannis. We're just going to foul him at every opportunity and we're going to try and wear him down with hard fouls. And they were hitting him pretty hard. And there's certainly a part of me that sits there and looks at the 18 free throws and thinks, man, they could have got a lot more than that. Uh, I think Giannis could have spent even more time at the line than he did. I think there was a few plays that he was kind of disappointed with. But I think, again, this is something that we're going to see more and more, particularly as Giannis continues to struggle from anywhere outside of the paint. If he's in there, they're going to foul him and he's going to have to make the decision, okay, how unselfish am I going to be? And this was one of the things that stood out to me after the game because Bud has spoke a lot about growth for Giannis and how is he going to improve in different areas of his game. So I, I just asked him, I said, where do you see the biggest area of growth? Is it being more unselfish? Is it passing the ball uh, to your teammates more often and, and not being as much of a scorer as you are a facilitator? And he basically laughed, first of all, and then said, I've got to be less stubborn. And then he spoke about those types of things because I think we have seen that at times last year or over the course of the last two seasons. If Giannis wasn't doing everything, it did feel like it was Chris Middleton or no one else. And you, were, and you didn't have that level of scoring behind him. The Bucks clearly went out this offseason to get more scoring, particularly off the second unit. And we're starting to see it a little bit. Brent Forbes is really starting to look comfortable as a scorer with the second unit. Bobby Portis has been really consistent as a scorer from the opening game of the preseason. And then we know in the starting group, you have Drew Holiday, but you've got Dante DiVincenzo who's come in and providing a scoring punch that you perhaps didn't get necessarily from a Wesley Matthews last year. And perhaps you missed a little bit from having Malcolm Brogdon with that group the year before. So the point you made is, is a good one. And it's, it's completely relevant because the second unit out of the guys that are in the rotation now, considering that DJ Wilson has fallen out of that rotation, the only man that was actually playing minutes that's coming off the bench at the moment is Pat Connaughton because you have Portis and Augustin and uh, Thanasis is now in the rotation, Bryn Forbes. So none of those guys were here. And then you have Dante trying to figure it out with the starting group and also Drew Holiday. So it would be easy to overlook that. But I, I think all things considered, what we've seen offensively is pretty damn impressive. Yeah, and you know, to go back to something earlier too that we were, we started talking about, I mean, I wouldn't say the misnomer, but one of the things about the difference between last year and two years ago is they, they really did lose the games like that two years ago. I mean, the difference being if we're comparing the Knicks loss this year, they didn't lose to those teams by 20, but they had mm-hmm. a few losses to the Suns. Uh, I know Giannis didn't play. They got blown out by the Magic, yeah. but they lost to the Cavs. I mean, they lost to an okay Grizzlies team. They lost to the Charlotte Hornets. So, it was last year where they were beating all the bad teams and they went until the very end of the year before losing to a team without a, uh, a winning record. But they, they didn't have any 20-point losses other than Giannis not playing against the Magic. And, and, you know, the interesting thing with Giannis to me is I look back at that Heat game that they won where Giannis didn't have the numbers that jumped off the page, but it may have been what the team needed and the blueprint for how they need to beat Miami and that, you know, the Heat are the team that makes it most difficult for Giannis, and they have the personnel to construct that wall and really limit him offensively, that that's where it's imperative you get the offense from Chris and 
from Drew Holiday, which is a major upgrade from saying Chris and Eric Bledsoe, that you have two guys you can really rely on to say, if we need it, we can get 20 points from these guys. Whatever Giannis gives us, even if it's nine points, whatever Giannis gives us, great. But these two guys are going to be our leading scorers, and Giannis is going to be the guy that picks his spots. Maybe you can add Dante in the mix as well. Tonight, the other encouraging thing to me was, you know, it was pretty clear the Bulls' strategy and what Billy Donovan had ingrained in this team was, I don't care where he is, just hammer Giannis. Don't let him get to the basket. Put him on the free throw line. And in the first quarter, in the, the first half, really, seven assists in the first half, that Giannis was the facilitator, and it was the other guys. It took a while for, for Chris and for Drew Holiday to get going offensively, but Giannis was getting the other guys involved. And then once they started to heat up, that opens things up for him. And the third quarter is where he attacked offensively with the 14 points. So it's going to be easier to do that against opponents like the Bulls. We know that. But those two things to me were – you know, in the span of six games were two of the biggest positive takeaways that I've seen um, from Giannis and from the offense with Giannis this year. And I I think, you know, you and I were talking about it, I I believe, and it's been all all over there on Bucks uh, Twitter as well. But if Giannis doesn't set a new high for assists in a uh, average assist per game in a season this year, I would be stunned because of some of the things you touched on with Guys like Bryn Forbes, who are starting to look very uh, comfortable. Uh, Dante in the step forward he has taken. And just think about the offensive upgrades you have in the backcourt compared to last year your backcourt offensively was Eric Bledsoe and Wesley Matthews. And now you have two guys that could score 20 points each in Dante and Drew Holiday that you can't help but think Giannis's assist numbers are going to go up and it should be the highest he averaged throughout his career with the talent that's around him this year. I'm not sure if you saw this, and I'm going to probably assume you didn't because you were probably at the arena, but prior to the game against Miami uh, the other day on the TNT broadcast, they were, they were really making a big deal about the assist numbers for Drew Holiday this year, and it didn't really make a lot of sense to me because I think if you watch this team, you will understand that Drew Holiday is going to play a lot of off-ball. Uh, he's going to be off-ball a lot within this offense, and part of the reason for that is because Chris Milton has really developed as a ball handler and a passer. And of course, Giannis is there as well. So as we look at it, six games into the season, and these numbers are going to be a little bit inflated because I'll go into the three-point percentages in just a second here, which are just absolutely absurd. But Chris Milton is averaging 6.3 assists per game to lead the team. Giannis is at 5.8 and Drew Holiday is at 5. So they've got three guys that are averaging 5-plus assists per game. And I do think that those three guys throughout the season are going to take turns. And maybe it will be uh, by Bud splitting up the minutes and splitting up the rotation and those guys being on the floor at different times and taking turns. But even when they are to start the game and to finish the game, those three are on the floor. You're going to see that. You're going to see Drew bring up the ball sometimes. Chris will do it in the next possession. Then Giannis might do it the next possession. So I don't think it necessarily matters in relation to Drew Holiday and assist numbers because he's not necessarily playing a true point guard role. But I think you're right. We're seeing it. Giannis is going to have to be, uh, in his words, a little less stubborn or a little uh, more unselfish. And Not that he's ever really been that typically selfish player, but I think that, as he said, I need to look at the big picture and see what lays ahead for this team. And perhaps it means that I do need to get my teammates involved a little bit more when previously I would just try and get into paint and score on everyone. So... I think it's going to be an interesting narrative to watch. I would expect that Giannis, the efficiency is going to go up for him the longer the season goes. But currently, he's averaging 23.5 points per game, which is um, obviously significantly down from where he's been over the last two or three seasons. So it will be something to watch. 
Uh, the other thing to watch is going to be the three-point shooting on this team, Justin, because it is just absolutely absurd right now. The Bucks uh, overall, and keeping in mind, this includes that 7-for-38 performance against the Knicks at Madison Square Garden last weekend. Uh, the Bucks are still at 43.9% from three on the season. They're averaging 41 attempts per game, which is up from around, uh, off the top of my head, I think it was 38 or 38.3 is the number that I've got in my mind for some reason from a lot. Is that it? Yeah, I believe so. I know it was 38-something. Yeah, so, so they've, they've bumped that up to 41, and they're at 43.9%. Again, some of those attempts have come in garbage time because the guys have been able to get out on the floor and jack them up a little bit. But they've got eight guys that are averaging more, more than three three-point attempts per game, and six of those are shooting above 48, uh, 40%. You've got Dante's at 63.3 with five attempts per game. Chris is at 48.5. Bryn Forbes is up to 45% after a pretty hot shooting night tonight. Pat Connaughton's at 50. Lopez is at 40. So everyone's really starting to knock them down. Even surprisingly, Drew Holiday is at 40% on the season as well. So this isn't going to be sustainable. It is going to go down eventually, and the Bucks are going to have uh, rough shooting nights. But again, I think it does probably detail how the shooting has been impacted by no crowds. And I think we saw this in the bubble. Teams continue to shoot the ball better. Giannis himself, which is kind of funny because he hasn't shot the ball well, but when he spoke about it the other day, he said, I know that the shooters feel more comfortable. There's no crowd trying to put you off. There's no distractions in the background. It just feels like you're shooting in scrimmage. So maybe perhaps it's a, it's a bad sign that Giannis hasn't been able to knock them down. But for everyone else, man, they are, they are they're getting open looks and they are knocking them down. And uh, as much as the percentages are going to come down, you do have to acknowledge that these guys are moving the ball, they're playing unselfish, and while they're finding this chemistry, they're really getting some good looks. Yeah, and, uh, it w- well, it was actually 38.9, so even higher than we, uh, we thought. Yeah. And, you know, they were in the top five in three-pointers uh, averaged, taken and made per game, but it was the percentage that, you know, was middle of the pack, but really the, basically the bottom – third of the league and a lot of that had to do with basically what we saw come to fruition in the playoffs that if you're playing the bad teams or it's night two of a back-to-back and you're scheming uh, with Giannis to create these open looks it's going to work in the regular season but when you get to the postseason that's where you run into the issue I you know we as you pointed out you don't expect the Bucks to continue to shoot at 50 percent and you don't expect Dante to continue to shoot over 60 percent but I do feel as though they have upgraded their shooting from where they were a season ago. I mean, I know it was asked to Bud tonight, too. And I think the most apt comparison is Bryn Forbes basically taking on the role of Kyle Korver, only it's a version of Kyle Korver where you can ask more of Bryn Forbes. And he can do more than just basically uh, catch and shoot. And, you know, you look at the volume, too, of what Bryn Forbes made last year and what Kyle Korver made. That's an advantage for the Bucks this year where I think he's going to be put in a better position and is going to help you increase that volume. We already talked about offensively going in the backcourt from Wesley Matthews and Eric Bledsoe to where they are now. I know Wesley Matthews had a pretty good shooting season a year ago, but again, if Dante DiVincenzo can you know, do the same or at least close to what Wesley Matthews did, the upgrade you're going to get from Eric Bledsoe is going to be big. And the biggest one for me, and we've talked about this before, is Brooke Lopez. And you mentioned he's shooting 40% so far now. You know, for most of the season, he was below 30% last year. So you're not saying the career average of, what, 36, I think, 
I don't even need him there just as long as it's not 29 or 30%. If he can be 33, 34, uh, that's going to help out the offense immensely too when we talk about Giannis being the facilitator. So, look, the, the question with all these guys is still going to be something we can't answer until we get to June and July, hopefully. But from where they are now, I, I feel like from what we've seen through six games, it may not be a massive upgrade, but I do feel like this is a better shooting team than they were a season ago. I would agree with that. And I think the interesting thing about Brooke Lopez, because we've had a lot of people um, you know, uh, tweet the, the show, tweet uh, myself as well, asking about Brooke and saying, what's going on with him? Why is he not involved in the offense? I've said this before, but I do think that perhaps if you're talking about a guy that's going to be impacted in the regular season, for his role in the team. I do think Brooke Lopez is going to be arguably the guy that's impacted the most because there's going to be less shots to go around when you have an aggressive Drew Holiday and you have an aggressive Dante DiVincenzo in there. And we've seen DiVincenzo attempting a lot of those above the break threes that Brooke Lopez has probably shot in the past. So it is certainly noteworthy at this point. Lopez only averaging 3.3 attempts per game. Remember, in his first season in Milwaukee, that was right up at around six. Last year, it went down to around 4.5, and now he's down to 3.3. So it's interesting to watch. Uh, he's still being a force defensively, which is still primarily his most important role. But Bud did touch on the point. When Brook Lopez is hitting those threes, uh, the team does get a really big boost. So we'll see how the role translates for him as the season goes on. Uh, I did want to mention, I want to talk about Bobby Portis, but I did want to mention uh, Dante DiVincenzo uh, before we move on to Bobby. And, uh, you know, Admittedly, myself included here, perhaps we overlooked the improvement that Dante actually had as a shooter in year two uh, because he went from 26.5% in year one on 3.1 attempts per game. The attempts went up to 3.7 in year two, and he also played three times the games that he had in his rookie season, and he bumped that up to 33, which in, in any uh, numbers, that's, that's, pre- that's an impressive jump, an impressive spike that we saw from him con- considering the volume. Uh, that he was taking them at. Now, again, uh, he's not going to stay at 65%. Uh, let's just be clear about that. But he's, he's getting up over five per game. That number right now is obviously sky high. But he's at least showing the signs that he could be a guy that could make another leap from 33% to high 30s, around the 40 mark. I know Marcus Johnson on the broadcast today said, if he can keep it in the high 40s, he's going to be having a really good year. I don't know whether I'm going to expect... Dante DiVincenzo to have a similar year to George Hill last year where he's up around 50% all year. That seems like a bit of a stretch to me. But again, maybe we did overlook this guy because we see, he saw an improvement last year. Year three, he's coming back. He's looking more confident than ever. The shots, are, a lot of them are pretty true. I mean, he's hitting nothing but net on a lot of these threes. We know he's been a little bit erratic in the past. And it's good to see. Again, when you talk about the additions shooting to this team, sometimes you overlook the growth potentially that you have within the roster. And Dante is certainly one of those guys. What's amazing to me is uh, how he's basically been a chameleon for his, what, two and a half years, technically three seasons in the league where, you know, if we go back to draft night and you didn't know anything about Dante DiVincenzo, probably the only thing you knew was the national championship game. You would think what they're seeing now, that was the guy that they got three years ago. And what we saw the first two years in the league was a much different version where you pointed to the shooting percentage in that rookie year. And, you know, again, he didn't play past New Year's Day of his rookie season. Um, But still, the shooting percentage wasn't great, obviously. Uh, His second year, it did go up. But still, it was, you know, below average for his position. 
But now all of a sudden that's the guy where, you know, last year and the year before that, we think about Dante attacking the basket really and the shot wasn't what you thought of and, and really defense and everything else. And now this year it's the shooting where if you look at his shot chart from this season as well, he's basically exclusively shooting the ball and shooting three pointers. So if he can piece all that together, I I'm with you where I think we all kind of took for granted the internal progress. And we know he stayed in Milwaukee all through the off season and worked on assets of his game. And I think you're seeing it pay off and, you know, going back to the trade that didn't end up happening. I mean, everybody, as we saw the last couple of days is going to point to, Hey, look, the, you know, if we're looking at the per game numbers here, it's pretty comparable to what he and Bogdanovich are both doing. Now, I'm going to be curious to see how that changes for both guys as the season progresses. But at the very least, it's encouraging. And it's even more encouraging when you consider, okay, if this version that you're getting is what it's going to be consistently throughout the season, you're ideally that would have been about what you were going to get from Bogdanovich when you consider Chris Middleton and Giannis are both going to eat in front of him. Drew Holiday was going to be on the team as well. So his numbers would have been right around the same. So if you're telling me you can get the same production, but you're going to get it at a fraction of the cost and in the form of a younger player who may continue to get better, we're still a ways from saying it, but it could be a trade that ends up being better for the Bucks that it didn't go through. You know, I'm going to be really interested. This is probably something I've thought about just a little bit over the last week or so. We know the Bucks picked up his fourth-year option. So, uh, you know, that's obviously you know, providing the role that he's playing right now. You would expect that's going to be an incredible deal for year number four. You're going to be saying that's a bargain, and the Bucks don't have many of those on their, on their roster. But uh, having said that, I would be really curious if DiVincenzo continues this plane of improvement of where he ends up in the contract scale when he does come to uh, needing an extension. Because, you know, I think we spoke about it and we know the Bucks cap situation was really difficult, but that deal for Paganovich wasn't that crazy. He was in that sort of 16 to 17 million range, 18 million around that mark. I don't know. I mean, I, I think looking at some of the deals we saw here over the last few weeks, the Bogdanovich deal looks fine. And I, I wonder where Dante could eventually get himself to. It'll be an interesting comparison to make there as well from a financial point of view. Uh, I think that really the, the last point I wanted to make, and we can, we can bounce anything else uh, off each other here for the rest of the, the show about this game tonight if you want. But Bobby Portis, I think we knew what we were getting in Bobby Portis when he came to Milwaukee. It was a guy that was going to be able to score. I know when me and Frank did the over and under episode here uh, just prior to the start of the season, I think we had... I'm going to say it was at 12.5 points per game for Bobby Portis over or under off the bench. Right now, as it currently stands, uh, he is at, where have we got it here? 10.8 points. Uh, He's only playing 23 minutes, but 10.8 points and 7.7 rebounds. And, you know, I've got to be honest. The one thing that really stands out to me with Portis is over the first couple of preseason games, I was like, oh, man, this guy. I mean, admittedly, self-admitted, he says he loves to score. He's a bucket. He can get his own points. We know that. He was taking a lot of shots in the preseason. And I honestly think the thing that's probably surprised me the most and has been a pleasant surprise is that he's pretty unselfish. He's playing unselfish now offensively. He's moving the ball. He's setting screens. He's doing other things other than scoring, which, you know, again, I I wasn't sure whether I would 100% expect that, but we've heard him from day one said, I'm a team guy. I just want to win. All I want to do is help the team win whatever they want me to do. So far, he's doing that. Yeah, and... uh... 
boy, now I can't remember. It may have been the Knicks game, but there was a, a couple of games early, early in the season. We're still early, but there was a couple of the first few games in the season where one of my biggest observations when Bobby Portis was on the floor is, man, I can't believe I'm saying this, but you got to be more aggressive. You, you got to take that shot because it, it felt like we saw him pass up a lot of shots where he's looking to get guys involved. And I mean, what he's had two or three double doubles already this season that, you know, we talk about the offensive upgrades in the backcourt and everything else, but Bobby Portis gives you the dimension that look, there are still questions to be answered defensively. And I think if you followed Bobby Portis and you followed this team, you knew what to expect coming in where you knew this is entirely, almost entirely one-sided that they're bringing in here. But it's also a dimension that they didn't have in the past where uh, it's, you know, your backup big that can give you offense. And you're not just saying go out there and play defense and rebound and protect the rim, which is essentially all they had gotten from the backup uh, five last year and it didn't even exist two years prior to that so um yeah I what I've been most struck by is I just assumed he would be a high volume Bobby Portis is out there to chuck up shots type of guy and that hasn't been the case no not at all I agree I was kind of in the same boat and we were certainly from the start weighing up well okay what is the offense going to do is it going to be uh, balanced out by some poor defense. Even to this point, there's certainly been times and there's been games where you're like, okay, it's looking pretty shaky there. Uh, but everyone said, listen, this team has to try and figure it out. And, and I think even at moments tonight, we saw he had a couple of blocks defensively. He doesn't stand out as someone that's that's just been a sieve. He's been kind of okay. And we'll see how this develops as the season goes on. But so far, I think Bobby Portis has been a pleasant surprise. And some of the things he said after the game were, were just fun as well. I just kind of like want this guy to do well now. He said after the game, I asked him whether he's enjoying winning. Even, and he did note, well, look, we're only three and three right now, but it's fun. I'm not going to lie. For me to come here on a team with championship aspirations to have all-star guys like Giannis and Chris, it's been fun. It feels good to win again. I haven't won in a long time. And it's true. That's one of the things we wondered about Bobby. How would he fit in a team and how would he look in a team where they're genuinely good and he's surrounded by really really good players because sometimes it, when you saw him play on the Knicks it was all Bobby Portis but also you kind of can't blame me for that because those teams kind of sucked as well so it's it's interesting to see how he's fitting into this team so far and as a group uh, they are all still trying to figure it out was there was there anything else you had from this game that you thought was worth mentioning I, I would say the 20 turnovers for Chicago was noteworthy. Again, I'm not sure how much of that I can credit to the Bucks' uh, defense as I can to just some ridiculous passing from the Chicago team. They seem to uh, be just handing the Bucks steals uh, on a platter all night long. The Bucks had, uh, what are we looking at here, 16 steals on the game, which is obviously a ridiculous number. Yeah, it's funny. I saw your tweet basically at the exact same time. I thought, man, what? What are the Bulls doing here? Where there's yeah. a handful of plays that sit out to you and you thought, and really it was basically all involving Drew Holiday, which we knew coming in. Yeah. I think he led the league in deflections last year and you saw a handful of them in the first half where, yeah, it was Drew creating something, but there was you know, a stretch where it was just seemingly every trip down the floor, the Bulls were forcing the ball in or just making a lazy pass that you, you were thinking, wow, can, can this game get over with already? Um, you know, the last thing I'd say about Brooke, too, is it, it, one of the things that stood out to me is the Bucks' play at the basket on both ends of the floor has been nowhere near what we saw the last two years, especially last year, where they were elite 
and on both ends of the floor, offensively and defensively. And it hasn't, you know, not that they've been bad, but they haven't been anywhere near that level this season, especially on the defensive end. And I thought this was the first game this season where Brooke Lopez really looked like the guy he was last year, where hopefully, as, as you pointed to, offensively, you have to assume he's going to be the guy that takes a step back this season. But, uh, you know, as, as, as you said, some listeners had pointed out, something about him just looks off. I, I mean, I agreed early on this season, and that was mostly just, and there I said it again early, but that was mostly just on the defensive end. And it felt like tonight he started to look a lot like the guy that we saw last year. And you know what? Maybe a lot of that has to do with the, the opponent that you're playing, but still it's encouraging to see this was maybe the first game this season where the interior defense felt like the same level it was at a year ago. Yeah, 21 for 41 Chicago tonight in the paint, which uh, obviously is a pretty good number there. And again, uh, this is this is so early, and this has been certainly distorted by the, the three blowout wins that the Bucs have had. It seems like if they're going to win this year, it has to be by 30-plus points. But the net rating currently of 13.4, which is obviously pretty ridiculous for a team that's only sitting at uh, 500 there. But the offense, as I mentioned, number two in the league, only behind Atlanta that's been really pouring it on uh, in a couple of games against the Nets, actually, here in the last couple of days. But the Bucs with a 118 offensive rating, defensive rating of 105.6, which is a little bit higher than where it was last year. But again, lots of positives from this team. Uh, The Bulls look awful, and I don't think we should forget that. Uh, But the Bucs still, it's fun to watch them when they are blowing out other teams, knocking down those shots. And I think the most important thing that we take away from a game where they won by 30 points, still a a lot of room for improvement, particularly with the scoring in the paint. As you pointed to, the defense is still starting to figure things out. But I think when you see a guy like Bryn Forbes have 18 points in the night, Bobby Porter's 13, uh, those new guys really starting to get a comfort level with the team and and look a lot better. That second unit certainly in the opening couple games was pretty shaky and they've bounced back pretty hard since then as Bud also tries to figure out the rotation and what lineups are working with each other and what combinations are going to be ones that he can go to. Uh, This weird season continues because we're going to have a couple of games with the Pistons coming up. Uh, the next one will be on Sunday at Fiserv Forum, then I believe on Tuesday. Monday. So Monday, is it? So Monday and Wednesday? Is that Monday, right? Wednesday. So it's it's weird that it's a it's back-to-back with the same opponent and with there's the day a day off. off. Yeah. Yeah, I guess Detroit's going to be posting up in Milwaukee for a while. Uh, they don't have as many former players as last year. Perhaps they could have just gone to their old uh, houses, some of those guys. But it won't be the case this year. But still, the Pistons, so the Bucks will continue uh, with Central Division. And there we go. I'm already mixing up my days. Monday and Wednesday in the U.S., Tuesday and Thursday for me, I guess, here. So a uh, little bit of a break, and they get to stay at home. They've been on the road uh, for a significant period throughout the season. So that'll be good for them to have a rest day tomorrow and then probably practice the next day. But we'll be back at the start of the week. And Justin, it's, it's just a pleasure to catch up with you. Like I said, Frank, uh, Frank was here. He's the boss. He, he runs this show, uh, ultimately. I'm, I'm just the voice, but whatever he wants to do goes. Well, I mean, getting, getting bumped for Frank is, uh, is not taken as a slight at all. <laughs> He's the one that created all this. Uh, it's funny that you, you brought up the uh, point differential too because I had somebody tell me, this was prior to tonight's game. Like, man, can you believe how high their point differential is despite <laughs> losing by 20 to the Knicks? I, I looked at them like, you know, they won by 47 and, and 30. Like, they had some pretty big blowouts. That kind of offsets a 20-point loss. 
Yeah, I would say their home net rating would be looking pretty good right now. 2-0 and at Fiserv with that win over Golden State on Christmas and then Chicago tonight. But we'll see what happens again. Uh, the Bucks yet to win back-to-back games. Bud pointed that out after the game. Yet to get above 500 on the season. So they'll be looking to do so uh, with this back-to-back against Detroit. But we'll leave it there for now. Uh, so it's good to get a weekend pot in every now and then when the game are on. It's, uh, especially when it's a win. So we will be back on Monday. For Justin and myself, Kate Goodman, stay safe. We'll speak to you guys then.